Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our second part of this lecture on hepatoma. I left off last time showing you a lot of cases and then making the point that there are some unusual appearances. Here's a good example of a mass coming off the lateral left lobe of the liver. This is arterial phase, but it's not very vascular. You could think about a MET. You also could think about even a tumor coming off the stomach like a GIST tumor. It has some peripheral enhancement, but for the most part is necrotic. And again, a GIST would not have been a bad at least consideration. So hepatomas, although most of the cases I showed you were more centrally based, more common in the right lobe, they can occur anywhere but can also be exophytic and not be very vascular. So this is a little bit of an atypical appearance. You can see it's cystic. We go through cystic liver lesions, uh, cholangiocarcinomas, biliary cyst adenomas or cyst adenocarcinomas are things you might consider in the differential diagnosis. Another example, this is a patient elevated liver function test. You look at the liver, some mild textual changes, there are gallstones present. Then you see some neovascularity on the arterial phase, and then you go to venous phase, you see a well-defined mass. Now you can see as you look at the arterial phase, there is some abnormal vascularity around the periphery of the lesion, and you recognize the presence of a mass. But it's hard to say much more about it. When we look at the MIP, there's some abnormal vessels, particularly throughout the right lobe, there's abnormal enhancement because there is parenchymal liver disease, but you don't see that dominant neovascularity I showed you before. And it's interesting how much better this lesion shows on the venous, where it's very well defined. I would, in truth, consider a cholangiocarcinoma very much for this lesion. It could be metastatic disease as well, but this was hepatocellular carcinoma. Again, maybe a pseudocapsule, but making the point that not every lesion is hypervascular, here there's lobulations, areas of necrosis, and just barely any neovascularity. Again, easier to recognize in this case on the venous phase than it was on the arterial phase. Another example, particularly in cirrhotic livers like this one, you need to look at the liver surface. Look at the very edge of the liver, maybe at like 12 o'clock. You see there's something here, which is better seen on the MIP imaging. You can see the vascularity. And that was a small, roughly two centimeter hepatocellular carcinoma. Again, look centrally, but look at the periphery. Sometimes lesions happen just near the capsule of the liver, and they're very easy to not recognize or assume it's partial averaging. This lesion also showed, although subtle, on the venous phase imaging with the pseudocapsule and some peripheral enhancement. There are also nodes in the portal space. Another example. Cirrhosis, we mentioned before, you need to be very careful. You look at this case, maybe there's something, perhaps there's a little blush right here in the patient's left lobe. You see large varices, you see the textural changes. And then you look a little bit more carefully. The lesion is a bit easier to see now than it was on those other images. You can see as you go to venous phase, the large varices by the esophagus and gastric fundus and spleen are nicely seen, but that tumor literally disappeared. So again, hepatoma is not easy. If you have a 10 centimeter mass or a 5 centimeter mass, it's very easy. But the smaller masses can be very tricky. And we know from some of the data I showed you before, the smaller lesions, the outcomes typically will be better, even in patients with cirrhosis. Now, there's some variations in hepatoma. The classic one is fibrolamella hepatoma. 
It's an uncommon variant of non-serotic hepatoma, approximately 5% of cases, but it's in younger patients, usually in the second and third decades of life. Unlike conventional hepatoma, fibrolamella HCC has a less aggressive biologic behavior and better prognosis. Tumor markers such as alpha-fetoprotein are not elevated in fibrolamella hepatoma, and surgical resection is the best way of managing these patients. Fibrolamellars often appear as large solitary masses, though sometimes can be multifocal, with sharp or lobulated borders. A central scar is detected in up to 73% of cases. Remember, we wrote this article way back when central scars were good for FNH, but central scars can be seen in hepatoma. Common in fibrolamella hepatoma can be seen in hepatic adenomas as well. Calcifications are seen in up to 68% of tumors and may be punctate, nodular, or stellate involving the central scar. FNH central scars and truthfully hepatic adenoma central scars, unless there's been prior bleeding, do not have areas of calcification. So that can be very helpful. On dynamics CT and MR, fibrolamella shows heterogeneous hypervascularity during arterial phase and ISO or hypotenuating during the portal and delayed phase imaging. The central scar is usually hypoattenuating during arterial and venous phase imaging, although in up to 12% of cases there can be late enhancement of the scar. And remember, the enhancement of the scar is more typical with FNH. Fibrolamella hepatoma, it's a rare tumor, less than 1% of primary hepatic lesions. Again, young patients under age 40, no history of cirrhosis. The markers are not going to be positive. Radiology is really good at helping with the diagnosis. And again, I'll reinforce this slide. Central scarring and calcification will help you make the diagnosis. So again, very, very important feature. Central stellate scar with internal calcifications is a useful imaging feature that may help and allow you to make the diagnosis. Here's an example, large mass right lobe of the liver. Patient was in their 20s. There's no cirrhosis. Looks like a pseudocapsule. One area of calcification. Again, you can go through the differential. This looks like an aggressive tumor. You would say hepatoma, but because of the age, you might comment on hepatocellular. Uh, carcinoma, this fibrolamella variant. Again, central necrosis, very large tumor, does not have the neovascularity of most of the hepatomas I showed you, but again, looks aggressive. Truthfully, I still would have favored a hepatoma classic over fibrolamella, except for the patient's age. And again, similar things, pseudocapsule, calcification can be very helpful. But this is probably one of the less typical cases. The only thing that help you is the large mass, the calcification, and particularly the patient's age. So again, pseudocapsules can be seen with hepatoma classic or hepatoma fibrolamellar. Another example, younger patient, mass left lobe of liver, slight vascularity, but it's a large mass. This subtle neovascularity best shown on the MIP imaging. Again, this is a hepatoma. Now, the fibrolamella component was thought of because of the patient's age, but you could see it's very challenging. If I just show you the MIP imaging and I say it's a 60-year-old or a 50-year-old, this is hepatoma until proven otherwise. Now, age is always an important thing. So we say most hepatomas, cirrhosis, patients are in their 50s and mid-60s. We then say fibrolamella of patients in their 20s and 30s. 
We then say hepatoblastoma, and this is usually before age two. It's rare in adults. The majority of hepatoblastomas are diagnosed before age five. It's classified into epithelial or mesenchymal type. The fetal subtype has a better prognosis. Hepatoblastoma can be associated with other conditions, including Gardner syndrome, Beckwith-Wiedemann syndrome, and familial adenomatous polyposis. On imaging, hepatoblastomas are usually multi-lobulated and a well-defined mass. Again, calcifications are not uncommon, up to 50% of the cases. Subtle vascularity can be present. Again, you can see why hepatoblastoma and fibrolamella hepatomas can overlap in terms of description, but again, there's an age difference with hepatoblastoma under age five. We mentioned they're large. Here's a patient who was five, large mass. You can see pseudocapsule present, some of the large central scar and lobulations. If this patient was 40, you would surely say fibrolamella hepatic tumor. Age five, you're gonna go with hepatoblastoma. And again, you can see some of the vascularity, but doesn't have that neovascularity we typically associate with classic hepatocellular carcinoma. Just a very nice example. In children, there aren't that many tumors. You can think of angiosarcoma, you can think of metastasis, you can think of occasional um, other unusual tumors, but you gotta be thinking about hepatoblastoma. Now, I mentioned previously and in other talks that hepatic steatosis is becoming a major problem with obesity in this country and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and alcoholic fatty liver disease are critical and they're very important because they lead to inflammation and fibrosis, which has the potential to lead to cirrhosis, liver failure, and eventually tumors. Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is the most common form of hepatic steatosis up to 40% of men and 20% of women in the general population are involved. Again, this metabolic syndrome, very, very critical. And again, it is estimated that non-alcoholic fatty liver disease will become the most common indication for liver transplantation by 2030. So it is an epidemic and a crisis in the United States. Chronic alcohol intake is another cause of hepatic steatosis. Patients with pure AFLD have a 10% risk of progressing to cirrhosis. And once you progress to cirrhosis, then the increased incidence of hepatoma. So again, consumption of alcohol is a risk factor for hepatoma. I mentioned that before. We know that hepatic steatosis can be seen due to medication. We know it can be dietary. We know it can be drug-induced. Uh, so it's very, very important. If treated correctly with medication, for example, if you stop the medication, you can then have a better response and your fatty infiltration of the liver can resolve. We see that also in hospitalized patients, even in a couple days, if patients are put on uh, different types of uh, medications. And patients with pancreatitis who have made NPO can often develop fatty infiltration very quickly. Some points we know expected attenuation values of the normal liver is about 10 units higher than the spleen. It's reversed in patients with fatty infiltration. Not a big problem. We talk about some of the things about fatty infiltration. At times, fatty infiltration, particularly with areas of sparing, can simulate tumors, but also fatty infiltration can hide tumors. We speak about fatty infiltration in patients with known malignancies and metastatic disease 
where fatty infiltration can sometimes hide the presence of a patient's tumor. So that in part is indeed very important. Here's a case, this was initially read as fatty infiltration and the area of increased attenuation in the right lobe was read as some sparing. But the more you look at it, and I'll show you some images, you realize you're really dealing with a mass. And it's kind of subtle, I understand that, but you see how it stands out well on the venous phase also? This was not focal sparing, it's not a great area for focal sparing. Better that's seen near segment four. This was a hepatoma. So you can see in a cirrhotic liver, we talk about how difficult it can be to pick up hepatomas. But with fatty infiltration, it can be incredibly difficult, particularly for smaller tumors because you're always thinking about some sparing. So if you're uncertain, go to ultrasound or go to MR. This was a hepatoma in a patient with NASH. So a very important diagnosis. Now, we mentioned different presentations of hepatoma. Patients can often have abnormal liver function studies. Patients can have weight loss. Patients can also present with acute symptoms. This patient presented with acute right upper quadrant pain, rule out pancreatitis, rule out acute cholecystitis. Well, what you can see is there's a large mass in the right lobe of the liver, and the mass has blood. There's blood all around the liver. There's neovascularity. Hepatoma is one of the things that can spontaneously rupture and can spontaneously bleed. Older literature suggests in the Japanese population up to 25% of hepatomas presented with spontaneous bleeding. I see occasional cases, but it's a small percent. You see in this case the combination of the neovascularity of the tumor as well as the bleeding in the extrahepatic component and blood tracks upward around the liver edge. So when you see a mass in the liver, spontaneous bleeding, we always like to talk about hepatic adenoma as the most likely diagnosis, but if a patient has cirrhosis, the most likely diagnosis is gonna be hepatoma. Here it is on cinematic rendering, very nicely showing you the rupture through the liver surface and the blood around the liver and the patient's extensive ascites. So a very important diagnosis. And again, it's something people often don't think about. This next patient had a hepatoma which developed an hepatic adenoma. There's a large mass right lobe of liver, there's stretching of the vessels, and there's neovascularity. But you can see there's blood around the liver. We thought this might have been a hepatic adenoma that bled. The patient had a known lesion previously. At surgery, this was resected. This was a hepatoma arising in an hepatic adenoma which bled. Again, making the point that hepatic adenomas can progress to hepatomas making the point that hepatic adenomas are the number one consideration with spontaneous hepatic bleeding, but hepatoma is number two. So again, some very nice examples. And in this case, you see the intrahepatic bleeding and the bleeding outside the liver. You also see the patient's abnormal vascularity. The vascularity is particularly around the edge of the liver. Now, when we speak about imaging tumors in non serotic liver, and we talk about hepatoma, we also mention FNH, hepatic adenomas, hemangiomas, and we talk about the various appearances of the lesion. Now, hepatic adenomas can look identical to hepatomas that are regular enhancement in vascularity, and since we know hepatic adenomas can be multiple, as can hepatomas, we also recognize that hepatic adenomas are often pre-malignant, will become hepatomas, so if they're resectable, surgeons will operate. If they're multiple lesions, they might consider a liver transplant. This case, very impressive, large vascular lesion. Patient's AFP was normal, but still 
but this was hepatic adenoma. Again, hard to look at this lesion and say it's not hepatoma. You can see the lesion becomes nearly isodense with areas of low density within there representing scarring. You can see its displacement of the middle and right hepatic veins, and again, compression of the patient's portal vein. Here's another example, very bright lesion. Again, hepatoma, I could show you this and it'll be hepatoma. Doesn't quite have the neovascularity, but not every hepatoma has that marked neovascularity. But there are on the MIP imaging some abnormal vessels, very nicely seen here. And this was resected. This was a 6.2 centimeter hepatic adenoma. But you can see the overlap with hepatoma. So these lesions will be resected when they're solitary. Again, the increased incidence of spontaneous bleeding, as well as development into hepatomas, really is what drives the management. And you can see it here nicely on the MIP imaging. And again, on the delayed phase or venous phase, you see the lesion is harder to see, but you can still see its boundaries. It becomes nearly isodense. And here it is on the non-contrast. You could see it as well. Now, FNH is a li little bit different. Again, it's vascular, but unlike the hepatic adenomas, it's fairly homogeneous. This essential scar, the lesion gets bright, but as you can see in this case, it only gets as bright as the IVC, not like the aorta. The FNH is nearly or essentially isodense in the non-contrast study. You can see the central scar, but again, we said central scars can be in hepatic adenomas, can be in cholangiocarcinomas, can be in hepatomas. But again, the key to me is non-serotic liver, vascular, homogeneous, enhancing only as good as the IVC. And FNH, more than hepatic adenomas, commonly becomes isodense. You can see some mass effect by the vessels, but the lesion basically is gone by five minutes post-injection. And again, here are the lesions side by side. So this was FNH. Now, what else can look like hepatoma? This patient had a left nephrectomy, so the history does help you. When you have clear cell, METs to the adrenal, METs to the contralateral kidney, METs to bone, METs to muscle, METs to bowel, METs to stomach, and METs to liver can all be very vascular. If I only showed you the liver in this case, you would say classic hepatoma. This was classic metastatic clear cell renal cell carcinoma to the liver. So again, clinical history, if a patient had a partial nephrectomy for a clear cell and they present a couple years later with a vascular mass, don't think hepatoma in a non-serotic liver. Think of metastasis. Again, when you look at the neovascularity, very nicely shown, very much looks and feels and smells like hepatoma. But again, you could tell that that's not what we're dealing with in this case. Metastatic disease. Again, the MIP images showing you some of the neovascularity, very nicely defined and also showing you a washout that could easily be confused with a primary hepatoma. So again, there it is, missing kidney, always think about metastasis, particularly clear cell renal cell carcinoma. One other pitfall is a lesion that's not hepatic but looks hepatic. This is particularly true with a right adrenal adenocarcinoma. The masses can be large. Sometimes they invade the liver. Sometimes it pushes against the liver. You look at this coronal view at first glance, you say this is obviously a hepatoma. Often the interface to the kidney for adrenal masses looks like this, more of a pushdown effect than primary liver lesions. So indeed, you need to be careful. I've seen a few cases of patients where they say it's a hepatoma where it's primary adrenal carcinoma. So just be careful. 
often the coronals will make it easier or the sagittals will make it easier. Now, we talk about detection of hepatomas. I've spoken about CT. I did not speak about MR or contrast ultrasound. One thing that I think you will see make a difference as well is hepatoma with AI. Here's an article by NIAC recently. The proposed computer-aided diagnostic system for detecting cirrhosis and hepatoma showed promising results and can be used for screening for hepatoma. The article goes on to say it's a standalone system classifying lesions based on their appearance, their histogram analysis, and logistic regression, and again, looking for features that allow you to make the correct diagnosis. Remember, this article by Renut makes the point that at times it's hard to separate hepatoma from non-malignant conditions, be it regenerating nodules, pseudolesions, hemangiomas. I showed you issues with cholangios and FNH and hepatic adenoma. So really, you would like to have some support, okay? We look for all sorts of features, like on pre-malignant lesions, as this article by Renat makes the point, but perhaps machine learning can make a difference. And this article by Mocraine talks about a signature using a single feature was validated in a multi-center retrospective cohort to diagnose hepatomas in cirrhotic patients with indeterminate liver nodules. AI could enhance clinicians' decision by identifying a subgroup of patients with high-risk hepatoma. So this idea, the idea of using radiomics and different features, coming up with a signature. We've been doing a lot of work with pancreatic cancer, with neuroendocrine tumors, with cysts, so we develop signatures. Again, a signature for a high-risk hepatoma as opposed to regenerating nodule can be very, very valuable. Other things in terms of hepatoma, this is a consensus recommendation for 3D visualization of liver diseases, talking about the importance of using this with hepatic masses, particularly in things like hepatoma, complex internal anatomy of the liver and detailed morphologic features of liver lesions can be reflected from 3D-based models. When you use this for doing surgery, for example, it can really decrease intraoperative blood loss, complications, and recovery time. We've been speaking about 3D for 30 years in the liver. Now people are paying more attention. Again, the importance of high-quality images, both on the acquisition side and on the display side. You need to have really good quality 3D reconstructions. This article goes through some of this consensus talking about tumors and how once you create the 3D maps, you're better able than ever to predict what the right surgery would be. So I think that becomes very important as well, being able to predict how to manage the patient. So let's conclude then. As previously stated, the hallmarks of hepatoma are association of non-rim arterial hyperenhancement and portal vein or delayed phase imaging washout. Arterial phase hyperenhancement corresponds to the first imaging feature described in hepatomas. We talk about some of the overlap. We talk about washout. It's important to note that around 40% of hepatomas lack arterial phase enhancement. So I showed you a number of those examples where the lesions were hypovascular. Again, some of the challenges. We spoke about some lesions being peripheral, but not always. We spoke about pseudocapsules. We spoke about overlap. We talk about the capsule, but again, capsules will be variable. Studies of hepatomas have shown that the image of capsule on CT or MR is correlated with the presence of a capsule of pathology. 
However, the presence of a capsule at imaging can also correspond to a pseudocapsule, including mixed fibrous tissue and dilated sinusoids. So it's not always going to be correct. Sometimes lesions look incredibly easy to resect based on imaging findings, and they're not as easy in real life. So with that, we've looked at hepatoma. I've shown you some of the key features, the diagnosis, the differential diagnosis. I've shown you how we can use 3D imaging. I've also discussed the point that AI may be very helpful going forward. So hepatoma is a classic disease, important worldwide, and more and more progress is being made on the early detection, better management, and better outcomes. And with that, I thank you for your attention. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website ctss.com for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.